Vincent, the dude. What are you going to do this weekend with your wife? Uh, it'll be a family day. Starting a family weekend. Celebration of mom all weekend starting tonight. You know? Celebra- Celebra- Celebration of mom. Now, I heard you. corn dogs. You know I, what I mean? I heard you wrote your wife a song. I did last year. Give me a bar. Um, you're my shooting star and I fall in love each day. Wow. I feel serenaded. You should. I feel sorry. You know where we're going? Huh. Chattanooga Lookouts game. Beautiful. Day game. First day I game of the it. year. Right I over the stadium it. right over there. Representing wearing the hat. What's up, Louis the mascot? Met him Hot before. Hot dogs, peanuts, the whole thing. Huh? Yeah. I've been playing yeah. MLB The Show. I got actually drafted by the Chattanooga Lookouts in that game as a pitcher. So, so oh, been having a good right. time. But um, <laughs> right. I actually got so our Jim Allen was down in Texas, and he yeah. actually saw what Customs is doing with the Mother's Day gift that you had shipped up that way. Let's take a look at what's going on here. <laughs> look, they're rifling, yeah. right, they're rifling right through those things. Wow. Looking for, uh, I hope they get them to Chattanooga in time. Look wonder what kind of contraband you could stick inside there. No, right. actually, you know, true story. Apparently, this is because Mother's Day, tons of flowers. This also yeah. happens Valentine's Day and actually every day. But Customs checks all the flowers, and they do so for, for pests. And on this particular day, they found 1,977 pests within these flowers because a lot come up from Mexico and, and that kind of thing. They don't want invasive species Getting uh, in there, actually, the uh, Kevin C. Harrigan, he's the executive director of CVP's ag- agricultural programs, and trade liaison said no one wants to give mom a bouquet teeming with insects or diseases that can wreak havoc on the environment. But I got to ask you, yeah, he said no one, but I imagine there's like some people who use holidays as like a Trojan horse to like poison or kill a family member. You think so? I would think, yeah. I yeah, mean, I would think you're right. I would think so. Yeah. Like yeah, I guess, poison yeah, like chocolates or something? A chocolate bunny with poison inside it or yeah, something like, like that? Yeah, like a bouquet of roses with a yeah, cobra in it. that's right. That's right. <laughs> I would say, you, you think it's 1,977 individual insects or different types of insects that they find every I'm day? I'm not sure. What's on a, a tip, bizarre so I, amount, I have dude. numbers on a typical wow. day. On a typical day, they seize 3,900 prohibited plants, meats, animal byproducts, and soil, and they intercept 250 insect pests. So a lot of insects coming through the uh, wow. the border. What, what do you think is a prohibited meat? What do I think is a prohibited meat? Uh, you know, I, like people importing. Well, what about like, that salami or whatever it was coming up from Mexico that they were saying you can't bring up? Anymore? Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, today's show is going to be a big one. Speak about contraband, something that's not contraband in a lot of places anymore. It's marijuana. It's a big show. We're going to be talking to Colin Landforce. He is running a booming marijuana operation up in Portland, Oregon. We're going to find out from the perspective of logistics, first of all, how it works, and second of all, how you get involved with these companies. What are they looking for out of you as a provider? You know, not many of us know that very specialized space that you can't even bank with uh, if you're a marijuana company in most places. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's one of the things that prohibits. It's got to be cash only, yeah. right? And you yeah. can't use uh, like Venmo or PayPal either. That mm. money gets seized. Yeah, yeah. We're also going to be talking about uh, protecting yourself against cyber risk. Subway sandwich has been deemed unsafe. A trucker was <laughs> run over by his own team driver. Reuse COVID tests and the musical stylings of Trey Griggs. But before Ooh, yeah, we get there, let's, let's tip the band. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Oh, newlegendinc.com. Go there immediately after the show before you start your weekend of mom. Goodbye. All right, let's ease into it. 
Now, we're hearing about everything, right? Microchips, visit lumber, everything's running out. Well, now food inventories yeah. are literally being eaten into, according to Americold. Todd Iron Maiden reports cold storage facility operator Americold Realty Trust said manufacturers still aren't producing food products at pre-COVID levels. And recent production activity isn't keeping up with demand. That's right. Food producer inventory is literally being eaten into. That's a quote from Fred Bowler, who's the president and CEO. And he said that on a Thursday evening call with analysts. Uh, demand for food consumption remains steady. A lot of people not going out to restaurants. Yeah. yeah not yeah, everyone's yeah. door dashing. I don't door dash. No, that's, I don't. That's too expensive for me. I used to do that. I got in trouble doing it. Oh, yeah. you're not talking about ringing the door and running. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, that too. Oh, Ring okay. has kind of made that a little more difficult. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they're saying there's food inventories on there. What, what else is going on with the disruptions? Oh, yeah. So the supply chain disruption weighed on Americold's throughput and storage revenue during the first quarter as manufacturers are failing to meet the needs of retailers today, Bowler continued. Bowler said recent conversations with Americold's uh, food manufacturing customers indicated production is ramping higher, right? Yeah. And some of the company's clients have also said that they plan on incremental safety stock in the future. So a little bit of that uh, uh, just in case instead of just in time that we've been talking about. Right? You know what? I, I mean, it's there. weird because it, and it's confusing. We read all these different stories and we're hearing from all these different analysts and companies. And some are saying that, you know, things will never return to pre-COVID levels. Their inventories will be more optimized. Other ones are, are talking about actually having stockpiles. So yeah. you're hearing both sides of the story <laughs> here. And I think the reason for that is companies still don't know. They're still figuring they don't it know. out. There's different opinions on how to fix the thing, right? I yeah. mean, they don't, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, well I mean, and also I'm hearing from a lot of drivers that there's plenty of like lumber at at, at these mills. There's plenty oh, of right? lumber. The, the, I guess the problem is just the production uh, bottlenecks that are coming in with actually producing more lumber. So that's what the that's what the holdup's been in that category. Oh, okay. okay. By the way, they just randomly showed up at my house. A fence company randomly showed up yesterday. My wife reached out to like a dozen of them, and uh, one of them like we got a quote, but we never confirmed it. But they yeah. just randomly started building the fence, and I was like, all right. Just just go ahead. Go That's ahead one it. way to get business. It, it was one out of eleven. It was the only one out of eleven that actually got back to us. So is that kind of like dress for the job you want? Just go up just and start putting up it. a fence. Just go and start working. You, you want to come at freight waves? Just there come here is. and grab a desk. No, Take I'm kidding. The do initiative. not do that. Uh, U.S. regulators probing China's role in the container shortage. Another story we've been hearing a lot about what's going on with the containers. Utilization, very bad. Positioning, very bad right now. John Gallagher, he reports, a top maritime official has started an informal investigation into whether China is using its market power to monopolize containers and other equipment crucial to international supply chains to pump up rates by American exporters. And I actually recorded a FreightWaves Insiders coming out next week all about the Federal Maritime Commission's role in this monopolization thing. And this fits right into there. In fact, oh, Carl okay. Bensley is a U.S. Uh, FMC commissioner. He told attendees at a virtual business meeting hosted by the Intermodal Association of North America that he's looking into availability of containers, intermodal chassis, and railroad equipment, and whether the U.S. has become overly dependent on such equipment owned and managed by China. Spoiler alert, I think we probably have. <laughs> I'm over here going like this. They're not putting the yeah. camera on. I'm like, yes, they are. Benzel said at the meeting on Wednesday, I'm concerned that this equipment is controlled by a state-owned enterprise and that we're completely reliant and have questions about whether or not there's been market manipulation of what is potentially a monopoly. We really need to take a look at our reliance on that segment of the industry and evaluate how important it is to our nation. D duh, you yeah. think? You think? <laughs> well, the problem is not likely to be resolved anytime soon based on the recent outlook of uh, from le equipment leasing companies, but at least they're looking into it now. I'm not, yeah. it's, it's almost like the chassis thing, though. We know there's a chassis problem. Is anything ever done about it? Yeah, no, no. it's not. No. Um, <laughs> here's, here's some good news for a lot of people in our audience, though. Let's say you're at your job right now. You're not really liking it, right? You want to raise? You want a better gig? 
Yeah. You're in this freight brokerage space or you want to join this freight brokerage space. Guess what? Oh, it's man. your time to shine. There's a talent a war going on right now. Yeah, man. Gray Sharkey reports that on Monday, Amat Mahotra, he's an analyst with Deutsche Bank, he stated that due to consumer demand, low inventory levels, housing demand, and federal stimulus, the current market constraints on trucking and international container capacity are likely to continue into 2023. So 3PLs are reacting. Shippers are moving to the stronger for longer pricing cycles, pointing many retailers to increasing their transportation cost projectors, projections, and retailers already begin to increase prices by 10% to 20%. Bad news. So you get more money. You're going to need that new job to actually pay for things. Yeah, it's exactly right. And it also indicates that they're looking at this for the long run, right? And this hot market continues to impact truckload carriers who must order new trucks, have we seen, right? They're ordering new trucks and focus attention on driver recruitment, which they're having trouble getting those guys, and retention to keep up with customer demand. But there's issues affect another thing, another part of the industry. Yeah. The broker shortage. And here's the thing. Here, here's so here's what's here's the supply chain of people. Yeah, forty five thousand. They're jumping. So the average in 2017, the average salary paid was forty five thousand to freight brokers, three PL workers. Gotcha. I made twenty nine thousand in two thousand five, my first year with FedEx Trade Networks. Wow, so not a ton. You don't get to no. pay a ton of that space. But well, now that's a base. That's a base plus commission, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. no I, was, I was doing entries and stuff. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I was gotcha. uh, uh, entry filing gotcha. and all that gotcha. stuff. Sorry. Um, in international freight, but freight broker and three PL salaries, which they kind of combine together, they averaged forty five thousand in twenty seventeen, but now they're reaching seventy thousand according to CS Recruiting's data. If you want to get out of the truck, or you're concerned getting out of the truck, maybe you want to jump behind the desk to be a broker. That's only going to compound in, in problems in this industry. But seventy thousand just to sit on your butt, attractive to some, because <laughs> that's all they do. They just yeah. sit on their butt the whole day. Yeah. And collect I've money. done it. That's all you do is data entry. It's a lot of data entry. Yeah, there's a lot it of is. data. It's a lot. It's, yeah. a lot. it's good, though, if you want to learn the business. Yeah. Anyways, one person I meant when I was over at FedEx Trade Networks was the wonderful Rick Bridges and Glenn Patton from Roanoke Trade. And they're here back here today Sweet. to talk about cyber risk, the ever-increasing problem. Wow. Speaking of ever, ever given, stuck in the Suez Canal, every hacker in the world heard that. It costs $400 million an hour in trade losses by having yeah. that thing stuck. Yeah. Really makes you want to strike a ransomware attack when you see how vulnerable this industry is, doesn't it, Rick and Glenn? Hey, Tim. How are you doing, buddy? How are you guys today? It's good to see you guys. Uh, how, hey, how's Boston well. treating you, Rick? Good. Weather's starting to warm up finally. Why do they send you to Canada, Glenn? What happened? Uh, you know, they just can't. They just got to get rid of me. Uh, they're, they're done with me. They're trying to move me as further out of the States as possible. But uh, it's all good. That's awesome. It's all good. Well, I, oh, yeah, you know what? By yeah. the way... Uh, Rick, I think I caught up with someone you may know, Lauren Began. She uh, she worked for Massport for a few years, and uh, we were talking about maritime law yesterday. It was, it was a great time. Your name came up to that conversation because a week earlier on Insiders, I talked to my dad. We were talking about um, the risk side of like the Suez Canal and all that kind of stuff. So it was cool to hear the legal side. But now we're going to talk a little bit about cybersecurity. So, um, guys, tell us a little bit about the issue from your perspective on in the insurance world. Yeah. yeah well, so, I mean, um, I, go ahead, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, just to scare you a little bit, and Rick can talk a little bit what's happening on, on, on his end, but we're starting all the all the reports for 2020 are coming out. So we just got the FBI Internet Crime Division report uh, that worked for Internet complaints for cyber attacks. And they got, two, uh, on average, 2,000 2, complaints a day, $4.2 billion in victim losses in 2020 alone. $1.9 billion of that was what we call business email compromise, uh, from a ransomware standpoint, there was the, uh, uh, the task force came out and said that they are the average downtime is 21 days if you're hit. Uh, about 350 million in victim paid losses in ransomware in 2020. 
Uh, and transportation, uh, this is the IBM, IBM Security X-Force. Uh, transportation is still, they ranked number nine in cyber attacks in 2020. Whoa. That's amazing. I, I've, you know, when you look at the Suez Canal, you brought up the Suez Canal, right? Yeah. And what did what did Egypt trying to teach him or trying to trying to grab a uh, nine hundred million dollars? Yeah, I mean, see like the boat. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah, was it like nine hundred million? So nine hundred million. That's wow. They really got to be motivated to go after those things, right? I mean, so when you look at this, it, it's a big deal. When you look at transportation, does it break down between ocean, air, and trucking? Is one more vulnerable than the other? Does the report go through that? Uh, the report doesn't go through that. Uh, it, 2020, if you think about it, you had three steamship lines, including the IMO, get get hacked. It combines yeah. them together. Uh, it's an industry thing. But, of course, there were all the various trucking attacks as well uh, from the trucking companies. There were a couple up in Canada that got hit last year. And we're seeing it again, of course, in, in 2021 so far. I mean, it's it's getting bad. Well, Rick, I mean, part of the problem is we were talking about these these broker salaries and these 3PL salaries going out. But in a lot of ways, what makes supply chain so vulnerable is because of all these third party intermediaries. Mm. Right. You have information once it leaves your own network. You know, your network can be secure as anything. But once it's outside of there going to another party, there's no telling what can happen to it afterwards. Exactly. I mean, we're fully reliant on uh, other networks to do our work. And, uh, you know, I think part of COVID has really shown that we're all busy. Uh, you know, we're trying to help our customers uh, get loads moved and uh, do as much as we can. And the cyber criminals are really exploiting that, um, that vulnerability. So we've seen an uptick in cyber crimes for non-asset based uh, folks in particular, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, extortion, ransomware, um, the cyber crime element where the phishing scams, you know, you get a fraudulent um, invoice from a cut from someone that you think is a, a known entity. Uh, and these can range from $10,000 all the way up to $100,000 for a small mid-sized company. That's a, a big hit to the bottom line. Um, and at this point, the, the cyber crimes and cyber losses are almost as prevalent if not more prevalent than errors and emissions type claims. Uh, so it's really been a huge increase in the last couple of years. Wow. So, Rick, I mean, you, you talk about the third party um, reliance that is yeah. there and you talk about the brokerage and mm -hmm. and and I guess the, the the email, the phishing scams, because you've got you've got 90 or so different brokers sitting here transmitting uh, different contracts, et cetera. I would yeah. imagine that door, it's wide open door, right? It's just a swinging door for, for ransomware, et cetera, to come through. Well, have right? you seen the new one? The one I get all the time now are like the fake DocuSigns. And yes. if you like hover over the email, it's obviously really sketchy. And if you hover over the link, it, it looks sketchy. Yeah. But the email itself mm -hmm. doesn't. I mean, they're doing a really good job of, of just replicating and copying what an actual DocuSign would look like. Yeah, it's amazing what information is out there in the public domain that cyber criminals can piece together to create a document or create some kind of electronic form that looks legitimate. Um, you know, and I think it's somewhat of a generational thing, too, you know, the four of us might see something and, and we can uh, take two minutes and, and decide that it's a scam. But, you know, maybe other folks don't have that same time that they're going to spend on it or they, you know, that they think it's legit and they just want to get it off their plate, uh, pay that invoice uh, or respond to that email. Uh, and then that might open them up to, to further issues. So that kind of obviously is uh, very much the reason why cyber insurance is yeah. now uh, front and center, I think, um, within our industry. 
And the issue there is not all cyber insurance is the same. It's kind of like the Wild West. So you really have to know what you're buying to make sure that it's actually going to cover those exposures. So how does Roanoke yeah. cyber in insurance work? If, if they're all just various, what, what do you guys offer? Well, we spent a better part of a year developing something specific to the logistics industry. And it's not just insurance. It's really an entire risk management portfolio that goes around it. Um, so it helps the small and mid-sized uh, companies better manage their risk up front. Uh, through a program we call E-Risk Hub. It's a series of um, training, uh, webinars, access to other professionals that are uh, able to help on, on a cyber awareness perspective uh, to prevent the mistakes from happening in the first place. Um, and then the cyber program is really very robust in that it's going to cover the things that you talked about, third-party networks. You know, what happens if a dependent network uh, goes down a load board that you use almost exclusively and you lose uh, income from that that's covered where with most policies it's not um, a breach coach you know if you do get a ransomware scenario you need professionals to help you manage that situation uh, you can't do it on your own um, so that's a big part Glenn you want to talk about Lewis Brisbois and what they're doing yeah, so there there are specialist attorney firms uh, dealing with cyber attacks and breach. You know what what happens when you are breached. What notification? What's the notification process? Blah blah blah. What state regulations are because it varies by state. Uh, so they come in and and that's the first call. If you think you've been hacked, you think you've been you know your information has been out there, been stolen, your client information, your employee information. That's the first line of defense you go because they're going to jump on it and try and get it as quickly as possible. The whole program, the idea behind it is the ABCs, the, you know, helping us uh, facilitate the ABCs of cyber risk management, which is the awareness, best practices, and then cyber insurance. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So the, if the ransom coaches, they're, they're, think of it like a kidnap and ransom scenario. Uh, you know, you've got a hostage negotiator. They've done this before. They're professionals. Uh, they're critical to managing the situation, um, you know, both from a... Uh, a support standpoint, but also from an optics standpoint. How do you transmit the information out to your customers after a hack or after some kind of uh, data release? Um, what's the best way to do that? Uh, other aspects, 50 different states with multiple different cybercrime laws that you need to comply with. You know, So depending on the number of customers you have in all those states, you could be dealing with 20, 30, 50 states and each of their individual laws, um, fines and penalties that might come out of that as well. It becomes a very big situation. Even Rick, on these uh, negotiations, is it like someone like in the insurance company picking up a phone and the other other end, there's like a guy on a vocoder who's like, give, give me all your money. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's done via email, but yeah. what the cyber coach is going to do, one, make sure it's legit. You know, make sure that there is um, a legitimate... Um, you know, cyber breach here where you're going to have um, an inability to access your system if these guys do as they say, that they're going to shut it down if they don't get paid a hundred grand in five days, something like that. In a lot of cases, they're going to get paid because the, the really, <laughs> that's the only option. Yeah. Um, if you don't get paid, they're going to shut the system down. Um, the issue is, even if it's not shut down, if it's partially damaged or there's issues with it, you know, everybody thinks they have 
backup data. That data could be two, three, five years old, and it might not integrate very easily with your current system. So you could have all the data in the world, but you're going to have to spend a lot of money to reintegrate it into your updated system. The insurance is going to cover that, or at least you want it to, because that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. Hey, Rick, we're out of time in this segment, but how do people reach out and, and learn more about uh, cyber risk insurance? Because I know that it's on the top of mind for a lot of companies now. Yeah, Rick.Bridges at Roanoke Group and Glenn.Patton at Roanoke Group. Uh, feel free to give us a call. Uh, we'll also provide a, a cyber risk analysis on the company, uh, free charge for anybody that's interested. Uh, and that's kind of a good starting point to outline the exposures. Thanks, guys. Have a happy Mother's Day weekend. We appreciate it. And uh, always good seeing you, Rick and Glenn. Too. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we're so susceptible here in supply chain is I've done that job. I've done the job of the broker. And what happens is yeah. you get entry docs, and you're there, and you're filling them out, and you're putting them into your system, and you're scanning them, and then more stuff's coming in through email and contracts and everything. And it, you become sort of – it's sort of like how drivers become blind on the road, you know, the white yeah, line yeah, blindness. Yeah, they become numb to it. They become – get yeah. these little horse blinders. You're going, you're going, you're going, and that stuff can slip through so fast. One nefarious DocuSign link, and you're out of it. The sad part is that, like you said, like Glenn said, oftentimes they get paid. Now, I have a bone to pick with our next guest. He Ooh, has done right. his Let's training do in Morpheus's uh, dojo over and in, uh, in Detroit oh, over there I know inside what you're the Matrix. About. He, he threw some shade at you. The now other he's day. taking the red pill and he's uh, he's coming out. I heard he's got a whole new room and everything too. Oh, he's trying right? to upgrade like I have at my oh, own home studio. Uh, what's up, Alan Adler, Detroit bureau chief well, and shade thrower okay, first, on bedroom first, studios? I, I, it, it's it's <laughs> peace between you and me. I love the hat. <laughs> Not as much as I love the Bob Marley T-shirt, but yeah. I love the lookout hat. When you got there, you notice, we've we've got we've got the uh, All Star jersey today. All right, so, uh, all right, yeah, it's batting practice jersey. I collect those too. Behind us today, instead of Dojo Tim, yeah, is baseballs and graphic novels and all kinds of fun things. Wow. So, what kind of you like the crow and stuff like that? What kind of graphics? Scott Pilgrim versus the World. What kind of graphic uh, novels? Most mostly. Let's see. What's back there? We've got a lot of Batman back there. We've got some Neil Adams stuff. I'm just a Neil Adams fan from way back. And we've got Jim Lee, and we've got, you know, a lot of it's art-based. You know, I just love the art. What's, what's your most valuable, I, I what's the the most words, valuable ball? Yeah, what's, what's your best ball? What's yeah. your most proud ball? Uh, up there? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, I've got a ball. I hope this doesn't take too long. I have a ball that was signed by both of the MVPs in 2006, but it happened before they won it. They were in a spring training game. It would have been Ryan Howard from the Phillies. and. Nice. Uh, the, the, the guy who was up in Minnesota, uh, name is escaping me now, but, uh, he beat out Derek Jeter for the MVP that year. They both ended up on the same ball. It's unusual that I even put more than one signature on a ball. Uh, but that, that was a spring training game in Clearwater and I did that. And it's just kind of a cool, cool baseball, you know? I don't know what it's worth. I don't really well, care. It's great. <laughs> what what yeah. is Nicola worth? Their earnings came out. How are, how are they doing over okay. there? Hey. Guess what? They lost money. Oh, yeah. you knew that, didn't you? No. Yeah. No. They, they? That's what that's what startup <laughs> companies do. Uh, yeah. You know, they they lost a lot of money, but you know what? They're building a uh, they're building and building and building, and they started the whole show today with a video, very very good video of of trucks on the road not being pushed downhill. I might add, but actually mm -hmm. under their own power, getting up to seventy five miles an hour. Nice. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway that I took out of the thing today was. They've got a battery uh, for these trucks that is carries so much more energy. They won't talk about the exact range, how far it'll go between charging, but they think they've got themselves a, a nice lead. They say they're 200 kilowatts better than the next one. And that would be, don't you, Dooner, uh, behind them. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't have the wattage number in front of me, but the kilowatt number. But I'll tell you, um, you can't come away but wondering if maybe these guys really have it figured out. Well, they have a letter of intent for a few orders. It's not a ton, right? It's like a it's it's a hundred trucks. But is that a little bit yeah. more binding than the the non binding orders that they've been sitting on? Because they've been quoting those for a long time, and a lot of those non binding right. orders. I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of duplicious a little bit to do that because those right. were based on a truck that they're not even making anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, I wouldn't worry so much for those fourteen thousand phantom orders. I think what you can watch for now, and and this is what happened with with the. The total guys uh, up in up in California, where you know they're drayage people, and I think what you've got to watch for now is uh, uh, delivering trucks. That it's uh, 70, 70 of the one hundred ultimately would be fuel cell trucks. Thirty are going to be bevs, but the but the battery electric trucks, uh, you know, they they were out at the uh, Nikola track this week and actually drove them, and then you know Nikola was able to announce this. Uh, Nikola doesn't want to do onesies and twosies, according to. Their CEO, Mark Russell, what they want to do is they want to get these sort of uh, signature customers, if you will, that'll take on orders. Anheuser-Busch is that customer on the fuel cell side. They've been with them for you know five years now or four years and basically helping them develop the fuel cell truck. Uh, Anheuser-Busch or Bud will get two of them by the end of this year. Um, you know, they, they're actually working on the alpha versions of the fuel cells now. So it's not going to move a lot faster. And, and nickel is no different from any other uh, company in terms of semiconductor shortages and supply chain problems. They still have battery issues, but they're sticking to the prediction of 50 to 100 trucks in the fourth quarter. If that's true, you're going to start to see some revenue on that line, which you don't see today. That's amazing. So, Alan, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, you're laying it on pretty thick here that you feel like they've got this uh, turned around and going in the right direction right now. Is that right? You know what? It's so it's it's so different, really. Um, I mean, I was caught up, as you guys were for a while, in the hype of Trevor Milton. And there's yeah. still an overhang. There's still an overhang from his days uh, in the 10 uh, in the 10Q today. They are saying that, you know, the the uh, Justice Department's given them another subpoena. And they're continuing to go through their laundry and they're trying to figure out just what it was that Trevor said. I mean, the, the problem here is this might all end up being a Trevor thing, but it's going to it's going to land on the company if there's a fine or if there's any kind of, you know, uh, anything comes out criminally. It seems criminal seems unlikely, but you could see a civil fine out of this some, sometime this summer. And, you know, Nicholas still spending you know tens of millions of dollars to defend itself from what was said. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at Hindenburg. Hindenburg has cost these guys a lot of money. They really have. But yeah. what, who really cost a lot of money was Trevor, right? Yeah, I mean, you can blame Hin- you can blame Hindenburg, but I mean, they, they just compiled they were the, the messengers. I mean, they were the messengers. <laughs> right. I mean, Milton they made a lot messenger. of mistakes. I mean, the Badger was that's a exactly huge, right. The Badger was a yeah. huge misstep, and that's why it unwound everything when they did that deal with, with GM. I mean, we we've beaten that that horse to death. No company has me interested though is Plus, and yeah. maybe they're having us back. Maybe they're not. Tell us what's happening there. Yeah. Well, you know what? They they didn't respond to me this week on that question. Isn't that funny? They wouldn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Uh, you know what? Here's what's interesting, though. Um, the, the SPAC stuff, and you can read this in Truck Talk today, the SPAC stuff is slowing down, and it's slowing down dramatically. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that the SEC is is really starting, I called it finger-wagging, but they've really come out, and they're making it a lot harder to get these deals done. I was told yesterday by somebody who's really close to this space that, that there's the deal fatigue now. You know, it's really hard not so much to raise initial public offerings to do SPACs, but to get the pipe, the uh, private uh, e- equity investment that is what raises these valuations. So um, does PLUS do a SPAC? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But Bloomberg has seen twice now 
to write that they're going to. And uh, of course, we, you know, we followed that last week. Uh, I, I, you know, it's really hard to say whether it's going to come to pass because the, the, I don't know if the bubbles burst, you guys, but I'll tell you that it's really slowed down. Well, I'll tell you from like the retail investor perspective, it's been boring this year. EV stocks have not performed. A lot of stocks yeah. haven't performed well, but EV stocks and SPACs haven't performed well. Well, you get things like Do- like Dogecoin. You know, if, if you're just yoloing money into Robinhood, there's Dogecoin. just more attractive, quick plays right now to put your money in and for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not a, it's not as exciting. I think there are a couple of a uh, couple of these companies that, that did go spack. They're going to be fine. I saw a report uh, yesterday uh, on uh, on on ChargePoint. I've been a fan, and Dooner, you know this because I've I've recommended them to you several times. But ChargePoint has a, a re, you know they actually make money by the way. They they have revenue and everything. And they build charging stations, but they're going to be a player uh, when all this does settle down. They're going to be there. I think Proterra is going to be there. They're another company are mostly buses, but they do infrastructure for, for charging. Um, you know, it's hard to say who else is going to make it, but, but there's a few that are going to come out of this and are going to look like really good companies uh, down the road. Well, Alan, I, uh, you know, time always flies when we're having fun and, and talking baseballs and, and SPACs and throwing shade at Nicola. Uh, how do people find, <laughs> tr- how do people find truck talk to get more <laughs> insights into the space? You do some of the best work on our, uh, on our site. So let's send them your way. Well, Thank you. Thank you for that dinner. And, and I love you too. Um, I, I would say this, I, I would say you can get me at a Adler at freightwaves.com. You can get me on Twitter at Alan Adler, A L A N A D L E R or at Alan Adler and subscribe to truck talk. Uh, it's mm. out there and uh, you know, freightwaves.com backslash truck hyphen talk. And uh, or just write to me and I'll send you the link. It doesn't matter. But we're doing OK with that. Dude. We're not, we're not going to catch you anytime soon, but we have about fifteen hundred subscribers now. So right. things are things are looking good. Nice. Well, hey, thank you very much, Alan, for joining us. Take care. All right, thank you. How do you spell hyphen? H-Y-P-H-O-N. Or does he mean actually just typing a hyphen? I think it's just typing out. But you, you want you want a newsletter? He mentioned it. Go to freightwaves.com slash WTT. Subscribe to the What the Truck newsletter. Get it every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at tell them newlegendinc.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's time. It's time to play it forward for, I believe, the third, fourth, fifth, or seventh time. I'm not really sure. He's it played is. it forward quite a bit, Couple more than anybody else, at least. Too. It's Trey Griggs. He's vice president of Lean Sales. Whoa! And he's already packing heat. What's up, Trey? What's up, fellas? How you guys he's, doing? He's already got no. his axe. Hey, tell us about he's the axe right. before you play the axe. What, yeah, what kind of guitar are you ready. I'm ready. All right. Okay, so this is um, an Alvarez. I bought it back in 2002, so it's almost 20 years old. Still has a great sound, great action. Um, I just can't justify going out and buying something new because it plays so good. So, I mean, the only problem is me because uh, I have I have guys who are really good in, my, in our band at church that play it, and I'm like, wow, my guitar sounds really good. So it's a great guitar. Uh, it's just the user error sometimes doesn't come out so well. I know that feeling, Trey. Well, <laughs> make it, Trey, make it gently weep for us. All right, so listen, I have to, I, before I play this, I have to say that I'm auditioning right now. So I hope that Craig Fuller is watching, listening in, because uh, this this, I'm hoping this is the theme song for F3. Okay. I wrote this just for the upcoming festival nice. in November. Very excited. We're all looking forward to that. Uh, looking to get the F3 band on the stage. So, all right, here we go. This is, uh, this is the theme song for F3 audition. Take one. Here we go. Listen up everybody. It's F3. The biggest freight show in history. It's all about the future. Freight. A 
a festival with little mystery. Will Chris Jolly take the main stage? Or will there be a little heartbreak? Everybody, join me for the biggest great show in history. Chatting town is where it's going down. 12,000 strong, we're all new to bound. Don't have a room, you better book it now. And take that rail car all the way up Lookout Mount. If you want to be with me in Freight Alley, then Big City is the place you want to be, yeah. Everybody, step three, the biggest freight show in history. It's all about the future of freight. A festival with a little mystery. Will we social distance to cover our face? Will we run all over the place? Everybody, join me for the biggest freight show in history. Dude and the dude are going to start the show. And the F3 band is going to rock your stereo. And you can bet your ass it's going to be a release. Sonar 8.0, be tracking drones for all you peeps. Will they drop freeway strike from a drone? A Woodstock Festival, man, you won't want to go home. Yeah, so everybody, step three, biggest freight show in history. It's all about the future, great. A festival with a little mystery. Will you make plans to be there? Will they say you're a little square? So everybody, join me for the biggest freight show in history. Yeah, everybody, you want to see the biggest freight show in history. Hey, we might see main stage with Chris Jolly. Hey, somebody get Craig Fuller on the phone. What is with the Chris Jolly? What's with the Chris Jolly plugs? For the biggest great show in history. Uh, I'm with the. I just don't know where the Chris Jolly plugs fit in. What, what was up with those? Listen, Chris, Chris Jolly's my boy. Like I'm, I'm in full campaign mode for this guy. He's been working his tail off. He's putting great content out there. He's helping brokerages left and right. Get him on the main stage. He should be up there. You know, get him up there. Let's go. I'm just saying, like, if, if for your audition, you may want to change the name Chris Jolly to, like, Craig Fuller or the dude. Or, or the <laughs> hey, listen, it's multi-purpose. Just, listen, just, I'm, hoping, I'm, hoping this, I'm hoping this song gets us on the show, and I'm hoping I can get Chris Jolly up on stage. You know, just I'm do a little multi I'm trying to get Chris Jolly right, in the octagon all. still. I'm trying to... <laughs> we, we did ask. We did ask if there would be a stage at our last uh, company, company-wide meeting or virtual meeting, and... Uh, it, it, Craig Fuller said there would be, so I fully expect there to be one. Absolutely. So we will do the. We should be doing the jam band, the jug band. I mean, what the truck's going to be? The we're going to. I mean, that's the. We're going to try to make it the best part of F three. I'm very competitive. I'm thinking. I'm thinking a ten, kick ten song set is all we need. You know, like about an hour, hour and a half. You know, uh, Michael, you can play bass. We'll get some, we'll get a percussionist. You know, oh, we'll get Tom yeah, Curry dude, up there I'm, and the other <laughs> other band members. We'll have some originals. We'll play some covers. I mean, it'll be great. No, yeah, Andy cool Hedrick's in. William Drieger, Bill Drieger from Ubers in. He's There's got so the drums. Many. Yeah, yeah, heck yeah, yeah well, man. It will be awesome. Like for Tom one of Curry. the days, last last um, last sort of show session, do yeah. up the truck and then then have the big jam afterwards, Absolutely. so everyone can kind of mingle and everything like that. It'll be a good time, and there'll oh, be yeah. no mystery. Most of us will be, I think, mass free by that point with uh, the vaccines rolling out. Speaking of, I saw you're getting back together in business, right? I saw you at a St. Louis Cardinals yeah. game, sitting up in that lovely yeah. luxury. Look at you! Look at you guys hanging out over there. Check that. Look out. At that. Was it a good time? It was a, 
Oh, we had a great time. We had a chance to take some prospects and customers alike. And there's, you know, virtual is great, but being together, there's just no replacement of it. So we had a great time. We're starting to hit the road again, um, going to some major markets, you know, visiting with our customers. Hopefully soon we'll be able to bring customers and prospects down to Colombia. Once things open up down there, they can see the operations and everything. But yeah, we've been getting back with our customers and prospects and absolutely loving it. Awesome. So let me ask you this. You, you, you've discussed on LinkedIn before, mask or not mask. How are you on this on mask now? People getting vaccinated, not. People not masked. I see the pictures. They're not masked, whatever. But what do you think about that? It's a delicate subject. There's, there's no doubt about it. The hard part is that when you see some areas where they have the strictest restrictions and other areas where they don't have strict restrictions and they have similar outcomes, you wonder how effective it is. But for right. the sake of other people, and certainly when there's regulations in place, you know, we always want to follow those to the best of our ability, of course, um, and do as many activities outdoors as we can. We've been spending time with customers on the golf course, which certainly helps because you can space out. Um, but it's, it's a delicate subject for sure. Hopefully by November, not an issue at all. Be able to just enjoy it the way it was, you know, 18 months ago and have a great time and uh, looking forward to that. But it's definitely a delicate topic. Yeah, I've already noticed, too, as more people start coming by and we're interacting with them, we're kind of in that hybrid stage where if they're strangers, you don't know them, you, you probably just, even though you're vaccinated, you want to, you know, the etiquette yeah. is to let them feel comfortable. But I've noticed most people are like, hey, been, like before they even get to you, they're like, hey, I've had the double vax, you know, and they want to do fist bumps. And right. people, we're just dying for human interaction again. That's right. I think that we're, we're created for that, right? I mean, to hug, to shake hands, to all those kind of things, that's a part of who we are as humans. So it's been very difficult. I know everybody's ready to get back at it. And uh, so it'll be exciting when we can just let that go and, and be back to normal. Now, will you admit that Clubhouse is terrible? <laughs> I will admit the Clubhouse is terrible. <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been on it one time, and uh, I'm just not convinced that, that it's going to go anywhere. I think that you know, live content is challenging if you don't have a real medium for it um, because we're so used to being able to get content on demand. And so when you have live only, it's just very difficult, you know, like word on the street, we started recording that and we put that as a replay and more people watch the replay than the live. I think it's just because of the timing issue. Not everybody can just jump on when you're available. Um, it's interesting a little bit, but I, I don't, I just don't know that it's a unicorn. I, I, I'm not buying into it right now. Yeah, same here. We do the live shows. We love the live shows, but like the right. real, the real, like the real cheddar, the real push is all in the on-demand content, the stuff that we're exactly. repurposing, the flywheels yeah, sure. that we're building out. Sure. Live's great, but like, especially the younger you get, like appointment TV is, is not really what people are, are trained for. I was telling like, comical. I was telling <laughs> a Zoomer, remember TBS? Like TBS used to start shows five minutes past the hours. Later, yeah, right. right? <laughs> to, to troll you. So you wouldn't switch this because you'd be like, oh, now I'm five minutes late for the next thing I want to watch so i just gotta watch right. tbs now i gotta watch them perpetuity. yeah what a bunch of well, we joke around with our kids all the time you know about like how you know you have to wait a whole week for the next episode and how you'd have to you know wait for the commercial to get over with and you know now for for the most part you can get past all of that and our kids oh, just have yeah. no idea what it was like you know oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the christmas specials you'd have to wait an entire year if you missed it yeah yeah Frosty or you were like home sick you missed the show you, and there was like part one of two you were like screwed until that's a year right. later when it came out on dvd right. or so you got a baseball game or until you concert, you can't watch it live. You're screwed. You can't watch it until it comes out on syndication. You know, years later. So yeah, yeah it's, well, it's nice. the one weird thing about sports. Totally I'll now. never watch sport. I'll never watch sports on tape or DVR. Once it's already, it has to be sports. Half that's the one thing that I think has to be live. Absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah. Just it really does. Unless you're just watching for pleasure. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely has to be live. If you know the outcome and watch it, want to watch it again, that's something. But I'm with you on that. That's got to be live. All right, hey, Trey, tell the people go. where to find you. Oh, wait, let's spin the wheel. Right, well, first, I was going to say, we got to spin oh, the wheel. We gotta gosh, I thought I was getting out of this. No, no, spin it. He's the inspiration for stupidity, spin right? Spin it around. No, you are. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was you me. have inspired. All right, me. here we go. Here we go. All right, what do you got? You are tasked with designing a mascot 
for a sports team. What is it and what's its name? Oh gosh. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the first thing that came to mind and that is the bulldozers. And I'm going to have uh, basically the front of a massive, you know, one of those cat caterpillar type things with the dozer on the front. We're going to be the bulldozers. That's all. That's all I can come up with. What do you got? What do you think? <laughs> we think it's good. Now it's time to get out of here. Trey, thanks for joining us. Okay. Find <laughs> Trey Griggs on LinkedIn. Look up lean sales, look up lean staffing. They'll do uh, some great work. Leangroup.com. That's right. Leangroup.com. <laughs> By the way, you want tickets Peace, to brother. F3, the hottest festival in freight, go to freightwaves.com. Um, or what is it? Live. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Yeah, Click on it. F3. Use promo code WTT. Save you 200 bucks. But let's talk to the man of the hour now. It's Colin Landforce. Oh. He's uh, over at Unrivaled, and he has some of the most, uh, at least from pictures that I've seen, some of the most delicious-looking weed on earth. I mean, he's really making big business <laughs> where it's legal. Colin, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Uh, you, I, and if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should follow Colin Landforce on Twitter because not only does he share beautiful pictures of the uh, the marijuana products that he sells, but he also <laughs> has some great Twitter threads as well. Uh, Colin, introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Colin Landforce. Uh, I'm in Rec Cannabis, as you mentioned, and have been doing so for four or five years here. And uh, I think how we got here is uh, a few months ago, I started tweeting tweeting about it a bunch, and naturally we've been We've been moving a lot of cannabis and putting it on trucks. In our case, it's it's more sprinter vans, uh, but uh, we're moving it all up and down the West Coast. And there's certain certainly a lot of uh, nuances and novelties to doing cannabis with fragmented markets and so on and so forth. So happy to be here. Let's talk about it. Yeah, peace. Let's talk about it. One of those things there, one of the hurdles uh, with the fragmented markets, whether is actually the financials, right? The banking uh, hurdles that are there, right? Uh, how do, you can't even use like PayPal or that type of stuff. A lot of how, traditional banks either. Yeah, or a lot of traditional banks you can't use it. And I've I've heard there's some federal talk actually uh, for for changing yeah. some of that stuff. Talk to us about that. How do you get around that? Yeah, uh, it's a headache. You know, for for context, I think across all of our businesses, we've probably had fifteen or twenty bank accounts closed in the last over the last several years. Uh, I'm personally blackballed at, at U.S. Bank, I think, or B of A. I can't remember which one. Um, but the reality of it now is, like you mentioned, legislation was just passed, so hopefully it gets much better over the next twelve to eighteen months. And today, you pretty much have uh, at least a couple of banks in every market that are that say, "Hey, let's play ball." So. Uh, how they do so is different. Um, I'm here in Oregon. Uh, you know, we have $500 a month to have a checking account open is kind of the, the reality of it. Um, but with that, we get to be pretty normal. We, and we also get to go and drop off cash, which is nice. Um, in California, there's a lot more, I don't know if the word is predatory, aggressive banks. Um, you know, they're doing things like uh, a percentage of all deposits, which gets brutal if you're, wow. if you're operating at any sort of scale. Um, and, and then like generally want to use a bank, like a business would use a bank. Um, so it's, it's interesting to say the least for us, uh, our banking is pretty clean minus the monthly fees. Uh, the other pain point is there's three branches in the state. The closest one is an hour from our main hub. So you don't get to do simple things like go and deposit checks down the street. Like, uh, like I could at a Wells Fargo. How does the recreational supply chain work? I mentioned the products, um, but what is the, like when you go into, like I'm from Boston and they have recreational marijuana there. You walk into the store, you, you buy whatever you want, but I don't think they're also farming operations and I don't think they're making the distillates and all of those kind of things. So how does, what does the supply chain look like at a recreational operation? Right. Well, today it's very, it's fragmented by state, right? You can't move across state lines. So mm -hmm. I think the first thing is it's agriculture, right? Uh, 
I think we often forget, like you go to the grocery store, the apples aren't overly consistent either, right? You've got moldy apples or, or, or banged up apples. And so that dynamic is the first part of, of cannabis too, right? Because again, we're growing plants. Um, in the case of stuff that's grown outside, seasons, uh, seasons have a huge effect on it, so on and so forth. Um, and then, and then past that, it is, um, it, it's the state line dynamic. So we have our, our facilities are Portland, uh, Northern California, Southern California. Uh, and we do a ton of very similar, but also completely different activity, right? And, uh, nothing can cross those state lines. So, uh, our supply chain in Oregon is completely cut off from our supply chain in California, of course. And I think that's, that's another one of those things that hopefully over the next 24 months, some of those walls could um, could get kicked down. And in the case of a market like Boston, right, Southern Oregon and Northern California is one of the best climates on the world for growing cannabis. Um, I don't think we could say the same about uh, the Northeast part of the country. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think as, as that federal legalization happens, it'll be really interesting to see the dynamics because I think what is called the uh, Emerald Triangle down here probably becomes one of the largest sources for the whole country um, on on more value products and uh, uh, oil oil fields and so on and so forth um, because you're not doing outdoor there. You can do a warehouse and uh, imitate the sun with $30,000 a month power bills, which is going to happen everywhere, but you're not going to do the greenhouses um, or just the, the outdoor. Now, Michael Vincent, I've lived in Southern California and Boston, mm-hmm. and there's no comparison to no. The, the quality of product in one versus the other. Now, I mean, Massachusetts is getting better at it, but... Uh, it's, it's slowly, but there's this movie called Murder Mountain. I, I don't know if you said it's a documentary on Netflix, yeah. and it sort of talks about yeah. is that that Emerald Triangle? It's talking about like how dangerous the growing operations are, and it's still like Wild West, and people go missing all the time. There's another documentary <laughs> called Sasquatch on Hulu that's that's covering it. But is that like a big part of the the operations? These sort of like clandestine growing operations? Well, I think that Northern California is pretty unique in that you know the the Murder Mountain docu series. I'm not sure if it's um, is all about that. You know, I, for a lot of people have been doing this for 25 years. Uh, I think that area is particularly um, independent, might be a, a good word for it. I can't really speak to that. I can definitely speak to like, sure, we have uh, we have suppliers who have been doing it for 20 years um, and you go and visit them. It's out in the middle of the sticks. And, uh, you know, the sophistication of those operations uh, definitely can vary. That being said, the ones that convert over to the rec market, all of a sudden your bar is pretty different just from how you operate because you have to track everything in the seed to sale systems, as well as now you're competing with somebody uh, maybe down the road, maybe not, who is more sophisticated in everything they do. Uh, you have you have tests you have to pass uh, you know, that cover everything from uh, pesticides to uh, moisture levels, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, there, there are huge elements of, uh, of it that are the wild, wild west. Um, I don't want to, uh, you, if you've seen Murder Mountain, I don't want to talk too much about it. It's yeah, probably yeah. all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Hey, should we play a little Shark Tank? Sure. So, all right. So, uh, Colin, you're, you're the shark. We're going to pitch you. Okay. All right. And this all is right. just a quick one-sentence pitch. Just hear it out. I think you're going to get the concept here and see if you want to invest in our idea we had yeah. just this morning. Like, you remember co- back in the day when we could go to yeah. concerts before COVID, right? Yeah. There would always be the person there that passes, like, the J around yeah. or something like that. Pass the Dutchie right. to the left Well, we side, had this. Friend, we had right? this virtual event called Drone Waves, and we were thinking, like, what about, like, one-hitter drones? One-hit like, drones. You, you're, at the, uh, you're at the stadium, right? You're, there's either an app or, or, like, a smart tube you put in your mouth, and then the drone comes, and it gets you. 
Yeah. So I actually have a background in drones. I'm not sure if we've uh, DM'd about that, Ooh. Tim. Uh, interesting. I think the first hurdle would be the dr the drones hovering over the concert and the safety around that, right? Uh, in a previous life, I worked in the drone field, and we all know how uh, those types of concepts are are better in theory than in in practice when you have a bunch of spinning blades uh, over people. Um, <laughs> Distributing marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You might want to grab it too. Like, variable. oh, we'll take another one. And then yeah. your fingers yeah, are like, oh, Might work right. better with LSD. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a better. <laughs> hey, well, let us ask you something. You mentioned the sprinter van. So, like, this isn't something, at, at least at this point, or, or maybe it isn't in cap, maybe it's changing over on the West Coast, but you wouldn't call like a traditional trucking company. They wouldn't want to move this kind of weight, especially across state lines, or, or would they? Right. There are not, they're not like traditional 3PLs in the space yet. There are definitely, you know, large distributors popping up. We're one of them. Um, uh, and I have seen some semis full of weed. Uh, that, that kind of scenario happens uh, yearly, uh, uh, croptober, as they call it. You know, you'll have, uh, you'll have literal semi trucks of material moving across the state. Um, generally, that's another thing where the rules vary. So in Oregon, any vehicle that I put on a manifest can transport uh, my cannabis. In California, I have to own it or have or uh, or have title to it with a, a lease or or similar. So um, there would have to be a service that is like, hey, we've got a forty foot truck. Um, do you do you need to use it? I'm not sure there are. We have uh, our biggest truck is a twenty five foot box truck. Uh, we use that for transfers uh, between Northern California and Southern California. Um, but besides that, it's either these little transit size sprinters. Or the bigger we uh, a lot of our fleet is Nissan, so the the NV 200s if you're familiar, or the bigger 2500s that are kind of a, a truck chassis. Now you you always say people reach out to you and they're like, how do I start my own recreational business? And you're like, you, you got to go on uh, your state site and find out what the regulations are because if you can't even get past that, you're not going to make it in this no. business because there's so many peculiarities and a lot of things you probably don't find out until you may have already screwed up, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the good news is at the end of the day, it's pretty much a checklist, right? Uh, how complicated it is, how many hurdles there are depends by state a lot, but anybody can jump online and go look up, you know, what is ultimately a checklist. And there's obviously, there's also, you know, 30 pages of, of laws and rules there. Um, but um, for, there's also a checklist <laughs> and uh, that, that proves to be more of a barrier than a lot of people are up for. Um, but I think at the end of the day, when you have, uh, when you get more sophisticated, um, into operators rather than, uh, you know, veteran weed growers or the folks that weren't able to cross that threshold, it's a checklist. It's not, no. it's not rocket science. Nice. Well, I, 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 after, after, after I'm killing the drone idea, I don't think we have to bring up the smart snorkel. No. Our weed no. snorkel. Yeah. Cause that was, no, that, 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 that won't work. But <laughs> how about a wheel of stupid questions? <laughs> yeah. Get, get him He's one of got these. the idea. <laughs> He's got the idea. Uh, Spin <laughs> it around. See what it goes. All I mean, they right. have gas masks, right? I don't know. The smart snorkel, Bluetooth. Okay. Sm anyway, what's the best way to get the smell of bong water out of denim jackets? <laughs> <laughs> bong. 
I, I, Febreze. I don't have anything more creative than Febreze. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the right way. A little vinegar, a little Febreze. Uh, I, I haven't dealt much with bong water since I was like 19, to be yeah, totally exactly. frank. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of people who have uh, uh, don't know what that is, probably. Right? Colin, we, we hope one day soon you can open up shop down here in Tennessee. We're still, our legislators still mess with they're, they're You know what they're fighting over down here? They're fighting over if like AIDS patients and cancer patients can get CBD with 0.9 percent thc that's where we're at where our neighbor alabama of all places has legalized yes. medical marijuana yesterday but it's moving that. quickly it's moving it, it's moving quicker so hopefully yeah. things is called how how do people find you on twitter and how do they uh, how do they reach out yep it's just my last name which is land force which is exactly as simple as it sounds that's really your last name f-o-r-c it is really my last name and i don't know if you saw my tweet but uh, there used to be a trucking company that went by Landforce. Yeah. Um, and I just saw that Landforce.com is available, and I'm thinking about picking it up. Uh, it's, right. It's, it doesn't have a low ticket on it, but well, yes, Landforce, L-A-N-D-F-O-R-C-E. I know, right? Yeah, it's only going one direction. people buying it right now to sell it to you. We appreciate it. Have a great Mother's Day week. Do you sell a lot of weed over Mother's Day weekend? That's a good question. Yes. Yeah. Leading up to. Leading up to. Leading up to. All right. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. Thanks Take care. It's yeah, Mother's Day a big weed holiday. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, people get stressed out by family. Yeah, they do. I agree maybe, with you. Maybe, well, now it's, it's getting more. I, look, I, it would be great if it got to a place where it's like just normal to give your mom like a bouquet of buds instead of roses. Yeah. It's I a would great say. idea. I don't know. Hey, let's have a little bad news, good news. <laughs> Mom, I got you a gas mask bong. <laughs> I want the weed snorkel. Okay, eat this. Good news. Eat this and not that. Reports Subway has launched the, the fresh melts uh, just last month, and it comes in three <laughs> different varieties. You can get a tuna, a ham, or a steak, and they all feature triple the amount of cheese and are served toasted. Nice. I like cheese. How could there be bad news here? I well, don't know. Where's the bad news there? Well, the NAASF, which is the North American Association of Subway Franchises, wow. say they're, uh, they're a safety hazard and that restaurants <laughs> are refusing to endorse them. They say employees are burning their hands trying to, to grab this monolithic sandwich out of the toaster oven and all this extra cheese oh, is falling into the bottom of the toaster, you. making the places smoky and all this. And they say that, you know, Subway, just through every franchise under the bus by putting this thing out because it's a big headache and a big hassle it's just out there it's, it's just, just out, out there okay yeah so if I you get want it. get one quick they might you be better do them. it if you like cheese and tuna there it is Ooh, that steak looks good actually uh so here's some good news yeah make me lose my appetite <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, yeah, here's some good news kualanamu <laughs> international airport in Medan, indonesia yeah has been testing passengers with rapid-fire COVID tests, right? That's so good. That region testing, in India man. has been having a lot of issues, especially well, India is a big problem. Well, right? India, yeah, but yeah. Indonesia's not had. They've been pretty good. They have been pretty well. Really? Maybe not anymore. Nah, well, here's the problem. ARS Techna reports that uh, Medan uh, police arrested four workers and a local manager of the a major pharmaceutical company, Kimia Pharma, which was working in conjunction with the airport to help perform the tests. Yeah. Okay, so what they were doing is they were washing, allegedly, yeah. Washing and repacking the cotton swabs that they stick up your nose. That's They're really recycling gross. and That's repurposing disgusting. them to do that. A uh, little over a billion dollars or billion rupiah, 
yeah. which is about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars that they've been paying for for different things. You know, the cheaper cheaper tests, etc. But part of it is these these cotton swabs. And so, so they're, they're saying they're selling new tests, but they make one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars because they're just recycling. Yes, old tests. they're just recycling yeah. the stuff. Exactly Terrible. right. They're just recycling. How would the they get busted? They got busted because they actually uh, sent an, an undercover uh, policeman was was sent was in there who <laughs> then got tested. Well, people were fa- complaining of a yeah. pa- false positive tests. Yeah, but like so who's the cop? Said, Imagine I, that's well, your job. I, I, I think it was probably hey, a newbie. Yeah. It was probably a trainee, I would think. <laughs> training Send day. Joe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joe's first day, hey, he'll he's go. He's new. Send Joe. Send Joe. Exactly. Wow. I mean, yeah. So, so they're just recycling. That's terrible, man. Yeah, it's not, not good at all. Here's a really weird story. Here's the bad news. You pick up a load of tomatoes along with your co-driver. Everything's going great. But you make a mistake. You turn down. There's a, there's a barricade there. So you turn down this road. You're like, oh, must go this way. There's a barricade. You turn down the street. You find out it's actually a dead end, and it leads to the parking lot of Hiller Aircraft Corporation. This is when the drivers drive into their lot. They ask the employee first, hey, can we turn around? Uh, This is obviously a dead end. We need to get back with our tomatoes. Well, what happens is the employee goes, yeah, yeah, come in. Then he closes the gate on him and says, ha, you got to give me $50 to get out. Well, that's when one of the drivers, this guy Daquan Jones, 27-year-old from Pennsylvania, he jumps out of his rig and he's like, yo, you said you're going to open this up. You can't do this. So the other guy goes MMA on him, the guy who closed it. He puts him in a headlock, takes him down to the ground, MMA style. He's holding him there. I don't know. He's giving him a noogie or something. Then his other driver jumps into the driver's seat. He starts driving the truck and he runs over Jones. Jones, he runs over his own co-driver, and he got a ton of injuries here. He got a fractured neck, a fractured pelvis, um, internal injuries, traumatic brain injuries, and a major injury to his left buttocks. Like, he needed a new butt. They had to put a skin graft on one of his butt cheeks. Jeez. Terrible. Just How is there good news here, man? Things can change in an instant, right? You're just yeah. driving tomatoes. Next thing you know, you run over. Like, you just, how do you Next prepare you know, for that? Next thing you know, your co-pilot runs your butt over. How do you prepare for that? You can't. You can't. Well... You can only deal with it afterwards. Well, the good news is it went to court. Jones' attorney, uh, Richard Waters, argued that Hiller Aircraft strategically placed those barricades on M Street. And they've been doing this a lot to get truckers lost on their property where I guess they extort money to let them back out. It's some crazy honey trap they got going on. Um, The jury agreed, though. (laughs) The jury said they were at fault. And um, he's been awarded $9.3 million, this guy. So, you know. Yeah, and and, and I mean, <laughs> and his co his co pilot was only awarded five uh, percent of the responsibility for yeah. running over his butt cheek. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, here's some bad news. Yeah, um, the aviation business for Hiller Aircraft is going badly, but the good news is they're trapping trucks and charging them fifty dollars yeah. to get off. CD CDL Life this is what, reports. Bad news? This is bad news. Bad news. CDL Life reports a massive rolls of plastic crushed at least one car after a semi truck overturned on a Pennsylvania Tuesday on a Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yeah, Tuesday night in Pennsylvania. Tuesday, the accident happened on May fourth at around midnight on Interstate eighty three in Cumberland County, right there. According to the Daily Voice, a tractor trailer hauling massive rolls of plastics overturned, right, and the force of the impact broke open the trailer and sent the rolls of plastics rolling down the roadway. One of them even smashed into an SUV totaling the vehicle. Wow, and I think we have a picture of that one too. Yeah, one more. Look at that. Look at that. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, this there must have been a lot of tragedies here. No, that's the good news. Oh. There were only minor injuries, my friend, which is kind of shocking when you look at these pictures right here. But that that is the good news, right? I would say it was. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's uh, that's crazy. All that's, right. Uh, 
Well, folks, we're running out of time here. Uh, have, uh, to all you mothers out there who watch the show, happy Mother's Day. Wish your mother the best. Treat her good. Give her a call. If, if you're not seeing her, if you are seeing her, it's going to feel nice. I know for a lot of you out there, it's going to be your first time since the pandemic started, so it's going to feel cool. Mine came up a couple of weeks ago. We got Trucker Taylor Barker on on Monday. Steve Cox, Jason Provincial from Steam Logistics. Chris Tang, he's a professor. Uh, and we're also talking to a couple that are team drivers. It's going to be a great time. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Duner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Subscribe to What the Truck, your favorite podcast player of choice. Tell him what to do. Peace and love, everyone. Peace and love. Peace and love.